This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we're here to bring you Minute number 36 of Jurassic Park, which is filled with all sorts of uh, ethical questions about the nature of cloning and science and whatnot. This is a very interesting minute, don't you think? Yeah, very. Um, This is just continuation of my favorite sequence in the whole movie, which is this uh, VIP lunch scene. Um... Where the entire conceit of the whole franchise is presented. Or not presented, but, you know, really put out there. And um, like I said yesterday, it just kind of makes Jurassic World all the more difficult for me to believe that this obvious information could be out there and it would the Jurassic Park project would, you know, still go through. I think that's kind of, you know, one of the big things about the folly of man in this series is that even though we have all the information there in front of us, even though we know the absolute truth of what we could do, we still go ahead and do stupid crap anyway, you know. But hey, you want to go ahead and get into this minute? Let's go. Okay. In the previous minute, Ian Malcolm began to raise concerns that he had about Jurassic Park. The minute ended with Malcolm telling Hammond that his team didn't have to earn the knowledge to deal with cloning dinosaurs. He tells Hammond that his team read what others had done and then took the next step. He makes it very clear that the Jurassic Park scientists don't take any responsibility for what is going on. Malcolm is slapping the table out of anger. At 3623, Hammond tells Malcolm that he feels Malcolm isn't giving them their due credit. Hammond says that the scientists in Jurassic Park are doing things that no one has ever done before. 3628, Malcolm tells Hammond that he was so preoccupied with whether they could that they didn't consider if they should. At 3636, Malcolm brings up condors and tells Hammond that if he had bred a flock of condors, which are on the verge of extinction, that Malcolm would not find any issue with that. At 3642, Malcolm says that the comparison is not apt because dinosaurs were not threatened by deforestation or a man-made tragedy. Malcolm says that dinosaurs had their chance and that nature selected them for extinction. At 3658, Hammond tells Malcolm that he doesn't understand his Luddite attitude, especially from a scientist. And thus ends minute number 36 of Jurassic Park. So Malcolm, again, just showing Hammond everything that he's got, telling him what's going on here. He even, you know, Hammond does a pretty good job of kind of flipping it on him, telling him the thing about the condors, saying, you know, hey, if condors, which are on the verge of extinction, were able to be bred here in Jurassic Park, we'd be able to clone them. You wouldn't have any problem with it. And, you know, Malcolm tells him that condors had their chance, uh, excuse me, that dinosaurs had their chance, that condors are threatened because of man-made things, deforestation, global warming, stuff like that. Dinosaurs had their chance. They were selected by nature. And there's a little bit of an implication here that nature is something that actually kind of selects things for extinction, you know, that whenever he says that, you think of nature as like this, like guiding hand that chooses what comes and what goes. But, you know, it's it, 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 there is a degree of truth to what he's saying, that if dinosaurs we're going to be the dominant species on the planet. Uh, You know, like mammals, they would have found a way to adapt to what was going on. They didn't, and they're dead. That's it. Now, you had some uh, information on condors, correct? I did, yeah. So I just looked it up real quick. You know, there's a couple different kinds of condors uh, out there, but the Californian condor is the one that's uh, considered critically endangered. So this is from Wikipedia. In modern times, a wide variety of causes have contributed to the condor's decline. It's low clutch size, one young per nest. Think about that for a second. One young per nest. Instantly, your population is halved. Right. If two are coming together, just bring one. Right. So it's it's declining pretty quickly. Combined with the late age sexual maturity, make the bird vulnerable to artificial population decline. Significant past damage to the condor population has been attributed to poaching, especially for museum specimens. So a lot of the low 
numbers in condors are due to poachers going out there and killing them to stuff them and stick them in museums, which is pretty crazy. Uh, lead poisoning from eating animals contained with lead shot, DDT poisoning, electric power lines, egg collecting, habitat destruction, those all are leading causes. During the California gold rush, some condors were even kept as pets. The leading cause of mortality in nesting condors is the ingestion of trash, which is fed to them by their parents. So, you know, the Mom and dad condors are looking for something to give to the baby. They go out and they find, yeah. you know, like McDonald's wrappers or whatever, feed it to them, and the baby dies. It's a and shame. Since there's one per nest. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it's a real problem. Uh, if you ever want to depress yourself, go to Wikipedia and look up your favorite animal and then look at the extinction rate on them. Uh, some things you wouldn't think are near extinction at all are considered critically endangered. And it really shows the very delicate balance of life here on the planet and, you know, how animals could very easily go extinct. Uh, Well, now I know to never do that. Yeah, don't do it. I think that, you know, Malcolm makes some really good points here, you know, slapping the patent on the dinosaurs. They've, you know, patented this genetic cloning thing. You know, Hammond comes back and says, hey, people are doing stuff here that nobody's ever done before in history. We're making history here on the island. Malcolm's like, I don't care. You know, sometimes history is a very destructive thing. You know, it. Uh, I think at some point later yeah. he calls it a penetrating force, uh, or the you know Mother Nature is, and it can be very, very, very cruel. And they're sitting here saying like, "Oh, we can manipulate everything. We can bring things back to life, which were destroyed in the earth." And uh, you know, it's like through his chaos theory, he knows things are not going to end well when you take a bunch of you know super smart. Uh, man-killing dinosaurs and put them on an island that, you know, something bad is going to happen at the yeah. end of all this. So. And these performances are so good. I mean, you continue yeah. to see Richard Attenborough get more and more and more frustrated because he knows he does not have a leg to stand on. Yeah. He doesn't. So he needs a cool-looking cane with an amber. <laughs> on the this is where I think Jeff Goldberg really shines in these moments. He doesn't yeah. have a whole lot to do very soon. You know, he's only in the movie for like another like 30 minutes. Then after he kind of gets taken out by the T-Rex, you only yeah, see him very oh, shortly. Right. Yeah. So he kind of front loads his performance here because the rest of it's just him with an open shirt sitting on a table. Yeah. You know? and flirting like, with somebody. Yeah. And taking a, uh, a handset and talking to you like this. Do you yeah. see the power cable? Okay. Run with that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, and like I'm saying is, you know, we see more of uh, Hammond from the book coming through in the movie. We also see more of Malcolm from the book coming in yeah. uh, through this point in the movie where the Casanova is not there. It's just simply the science, simply the guy who's sitting here giving you his philosophies right. on things. The philo- philosophical side of the character really comes out in, in these scenes. It, and the character really shines in these moments. He's kind of a jokester, you know, is the guy who's, who's got these weird personality twigs and he uh, uh, takes and he's like hitting on Ellie, you know, in the car later on. He's real, real Lothario. But here's the moment where we see him troubled by what he's seeing here from a philosophical aspect. And he's, even though there's great scientific breakthroughs being made here, He's also very troubled with what he sees, and he's not afraid to let people know. So, yeah, yeah really cool minute. Really cool minute. Very. Very, very cool minute. Uh, so, yeah, well, we're going to go ahead and wrap <laughs> you, you things up. You sound like, were you intentionally doing that? No. Uh, very, very cool uh, minute. Are you making fun of my stutter? Well, yeah. That's fine. I'm, I've, I've come to live with that. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, we will talk to you tomorrow about minute number 37. Uh, I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And until next time, hold on to your butts. Jurassic Park Minute is a fan-supported podcast. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com, Facebook.com slash JurassicParkMinute, and Twitter.com slash JurassicMinute. You've been listening to a Pele Media Podcast. For premium content and exclusive podcasts, visit us at patreon.com slash Media. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Media, and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Media. Media.